Hello, and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and with me is Steve Otterstrom. So welcome to the program today, Steve. Thank you, Leonard. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, this is an individual I've been stalking online for a while, so I'm anxious to <laughs> <laughs> dive right in. How, how are things going for you, my friend, before we dive in? Also, I can say very well. Um, in fact, uh, one of the things that I've had really an opportunity to work on this week has, has really just been super exciting. Um, we, we mentioned it last week at the tail end of the podcast, uh, but putting together a program with Upwards Unlimited uh, mm -hmm. in order to help people put together better, more connective holiday events. You know, people are getting ready here in the U.S. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving. And if you're outside the U.S., this is just the day that we worship Turkey, I guess, is what it is. And Turkey the meat, not Turkey the country. But <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we make, you know, or I guess there are a few ha families that do hams and, you know, but it's the time we all come together and uh, have a big meal. I always kind of felt like it was the pre-Christmas, <laughs> just kind of the warm up act yes. for Christmas. Uh, yeah. But for many of us, I know that um, we are looking at a situation where the whole family doesn't get an opportunity to get together. And that um, has been extremely disappointing. I know um, for me, it, it, it certainly is. I'm sure for you and for your family, it, it doesn't mean that families aren't getting together, but maybe not in the same way that they could before. Maybe there's a, a member of the family or a branch of the family that just can't travel or um, there are people who are in compromising situations. Uh, and so what I'm really excited about with this and what we had the opportunity to do this week is we actually did our first pilot uh, on mm -hmm. doing this 30 minute presentation on how you can do a virtual family get together that is a lot more than just that really horrible Zoom meeting you're on for work <laughs> or that Stare, staring at faces on the camera, right? <laughs> exactly. That painful training that you did last week uh, where you mm -hmm. could hear the facilitator reading the script back to you. And uh, or, or you think about your children and they're doing these Zoom calls. I know my kids um, have really learned to hate virtual facilitation as they try and get through school in a 100% virtual environment. Now we want to get together for the holidays. And there's understandably people who are thinking, I don't want to do another Zoom thing. Well, you know, one of the great things that Upwards Unlimited has done is helped us put together, and I've been actually a big part of authoring this, um, mm -hmm. some tips and tricks that can make that event something that is actually memorable and and truly just a lot of fun. They've, they've put a lot of gamification yeah. and and, and things into it. So um, hopefully by the time we, we get an opportunity to get this uh, posted, uh, I'll be able to get the links to you, Leonard, and uh, people can begin registering. These don't cost anything. It's just an opportunity to make sure that you can connect during the holiday season. That sounds awesome, Steve. And I know one of the great things about it too is it's for any holiday occasion or any family gathering occasion for that matter. You can use the tips and tricks that are being shared in this uh, free session. So uh, <laughs> I mean, something for our audience to keep in mind if they like it. It's yeah. not for business application, but it would work. <laughs> it would make your, yeah. especially if you're doing like a holiday party and you want it to feel yeah. different than that Zoom uh, board meeting that you had. 
this would be the type of thing you would want to look at. And actually, truly speaking, any virtual facilitator would benefit from spending some time seeing how yeah. to make Zoom an unpainful event or WebEx for that matter, whichever. I say Zoom because I think that's the most common that people use. Um, right. But but any digital yeah. platform. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I know uh, being back to work, I, nothing formally has been said, but I would be surprised if I'm physically back in the office prior to the holiday season. So it'll be, I, I would think early next year that I'd be returning. And so uh, who knows? That'd be a, be a great idea for the office as well then. So, well, hey, folks, without further ado, though, let me go ahead and tell you who I've been stalking and why. Uh, not really, but kind of. Uh, so our guest today is is uh, Chital Revis. I'll let her repronounce her name when she gets here. Uh, but she, I have been watching her online, and she has a wonderful little business called Prakora Explorer. And it's a food truck business, and she's based in Glasgow and over in Scotland, over that direction, anyhow. And she is selling, you might recognize the name Procora, doesn't sound very Scottish. It's uh, actually authentically, uh, it began in Pakistan, and also it's used in India. And so she's selling that as street food. And then she also has some packaged goods that she's selling online, such as uh, chai tea and her spliced blends and some other things she's got there. So I will let her tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, but I just wanted to invite her on the program because I've been watching her and her business grow online. And it's just kind of exciting to see. And I, I'm a bit of a foodie myself, so I've, I've enjoyed watching it. And uh, so I invited her to come share a little bit about her and her backstory uh, because I, I was... a. a maybe a little bit of a typical American and didn't recognize how much curry and Indian food was so loved by the wonderful Scottish people there. And so, Shital, welcome to the program. Thank and you I am so anxious. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm anxious to hear kind of your backstory. I know your website has a little bit about that, but uh, help educate me because I've I've not done much international travel. Uh, educate me a little bit as to where you came from originally and how you landed in this street vending business that you did, especially selling the food that you're selling. So just kind of start us out. Where 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 are you? Um, obviously, you've got a Scottish accent, but uh, <laughs> tell us a bit about yourself and how you ended up being where you are. Let's start with that, I guess. Yeah, so, um, well, hi, everybody. Great to, to be here. So in terms of, I guess, a little bit of our family backstory, it's uh, I, I think it's quite a special one. My parents are actually originally from Pakistan, and um, for anyone into their politics or history, you'll remember that Pakistan and India used to be one country, then there was a partition, so technically they're, they're from Pakistan, but we have family on both sides of the line there. And um, separately, they, they immigrated to the UK in the 60s, as was a lot of sort of Pakistani Indians doing at the time, whether it was the UK, America, Canada, there was a mass sort of immigration at the time. They happened to meet each other and, well, some kids come along um, <laughs> to, to cut that story short. But actually what happened while we were living in London and I was just a baby at the time is my dad went to visit um, a small island in the north of Scotland called Orkney. And if anybody is on Google Maps, just, just type in Orkney and you'll see exactly where we are. And my family moved us up to Orkney. And like I say, I was just a baby. I was two and a half at the time. 
And so that's where the Scottish accent comes from, because I've just grown up in Scotland all my life. I, I identify as being Scottish Asian, Scottish coming first. And um, yeah, grew up, grew up on the island. Now, when we first moved to the island, we were pretty much one of the first Asian families on the island. And if you go to anywhere where there's something new, you have to become part of the community. And at first, the community was hesitant. They, some people had never seen, in fact, think we were one of the first sort of coloured families on the island so to break down those barriers and the fear of the unknown the best way to do that is through food and both my dad is a great cook and so is my mum and that's how we got into the community <laughs> well there you go well it, they they always say the quickest way to a man's heart is through his <laughs> stomach anyhow so I guess it works for populations as well <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And one thing that was interesting is in Orkney, um, I mean, you're, you're talking the mid 80s here. So some of the, the flavours that we would have in our cooking, we just could not simply get on the island. Um, so we had to navigate some of that. But, you you know, people came and they tried Indian food for the first time in, in our home. And that's what I grew up around was my mum in the kitchen um, and me by her heels kind of just learning and watching what she was doing. And so it really ended up being a bit of a, a fusion type of food then, right? Uh, I would assume blending some of the foods from Scotland as well as some of the foods from home for you then? Well, if you ask my mum, never, because she's so traditional <laughs> and we've had our no own arguments. Yep, and, and that, I'll tell you a bit about that later on. But for me personally, my mum had a big battle with me because actually I don't like spicy food. I don't like chilies. And so she used to cook food and I wanted the Western food. I wanted sausages and mashed potato. I wanted pasta and all these things because in school I was having this five days a week. So she really used to have a battle with me to get me to eat, you know, Indian food. And it was too spicy. And numerous times I was left sitting at the kitchen table after my brother and sister had eaten because my mum just refused to let me get up. And at the time, this was a time when my mum was also new because you've taken her. She's been in Pakistan, then she was in London, and now she's on a small island. And my mum can curry anything. We have a dish with curried eggs. We have a dish with curried vegetables, spinach. And there was just some things that don't belong in a curry, in my opinion. But that's that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so really, this is your family story in a lot of ways. Because right now, I mean, and I'm not trying to fast forward your story too much, you know, but now you have a successful business where you you're selling these curries, you're selling these. How did you get to that point? I mean, I see I see this little girl that is refusing to eat her curry <laughs> <laughs> that at some point it sounds like you you actually learn to love it. And it's become a big part of not only what you do, but it's your identity in a sense or you identify through through your food. Uh, hugely so. And I think um I really respect my culture where I've, where I've come back from now. And I think when you're a teenager or a youngster growing up in a small island where you're one of a few people, you push, I pushed back on that. I didn't want to learn my language. I didn't want to eat the food because I wanted to fit in with the other Scottish kids. Little did I know that all the Scottish kids wanted to eat our food um, and try our food because it was so rare. So, you know, you had this battle and then I really started to respect Food. And I think a lot of that came from my current position where I, you know, I work in the hospitality industry and so I was around chefs and I could see what was being created. And as you say, this fusion started and I saw that Scottish food um, could be part of Indian food and also 
Scotland loves curry. We love our Indian food. We embrace the Indian community and us embrace the Indian community very well. And that's where I started to see that fusion happening. And you could put both side by side, not always to my mother's agreement, um, but she's learned to love it. And there are some things that actually we eat now because they've, they've been brought up here in Scotland and we go, hey, this is actually really good. We've been missing out. And I think that shows maturity both on my part and also on my mum's part to say, do you know what? We don't have to stick everything the same way. We can diversify a bit because because times are moving on. That's interesting. Now, did your parents, um, you said that when they arrived, there was this, they weren't necessarily uh, received with open arms initially, that there was maybe some some um well just ignorance people <laughs> had had the opportunity to know people from um other places maybe the first south asian family that had um had come into that area um did did and you said food became something that allowed them to connect with the community did they did they open a restaurant right away or how did that how did that connection take place i'd really love to hear a little more about that oh steve we did what every typical asian family does when they move somewhere we opened a farm. Yep. There was no restaurant. There was no corner shop. My dad wanted a farm. And actually, we did what every typical Asian family does. And my mum ran the farm um, because my dad went and got another job. So, no, we. Um, the, my dad's dream was that, yes, we were going to have a small croft with sheep, cows and chickens and wonderful as it was. But actually... Um, three kids at the time farming wasn't bringing up enough money so my dad went and got various jobs in the community at one point he was a chef in a, in a local restaurant um, and actually my mum started to do the farming so we did have sheep cows and chickens at one point and then we got rid of the chickens and the sheep and just had cows but it was my mum who would get up muck the cows out um, you know calf them all of that and when you if you know if anybody looks up Orkney it is a farming community and that's what the community is looking for they're looking for people to be part and so we integrated by learning about farming and asking the neighbours can you tell us how can you explain to us and I think that's what was appreciated and many a time the farmers would come up they could smell this wonderful stuff coming from the kitchen and of course it was my mum had had already started cooking at five six in the morning and all of a sudden they're sitting down to have lunch with us and it's like wow what are these flavors you know mm. wow so it really yes. became like this neighborly experience then Oh, hugely. And to, I mean, to your point, you know, did we have a restaurant? What actually happened was we, we never officially had a restaurant, but actually um, people used to phone up um, our house on a Thursday night, Friday night and ask my mum what she was cooking and if there was enough for them to take away. <laughs> and so, you know, you're talking like mid 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And so my mum would quite often cook extra food of whatever we were having. And that was always her thing. She said, well, this is what I'm feeding my family. You're welcome to have it. And so people used to come up to our house and there was a donation. And of course, my mum, she took the money, used it for ingredients and gave the rest to charity because that's that's what she's like. And so then then we would start feeding the community and then people asked us to cook. Um, And at one point in the early 90s, and I didn't know about this until I started on my quest with Pecora Explorer, my mum and dad actually had a food truck, um, not a food truck as we would know now. 
it was a clapped out old banger because my dad was a mechanic at the time and his boss said hey I've got this trailer let's kit it out and we have these agriculture shows in Orkney with this where you bring your sheep and your tractors and everything like this and um yeah there's my mum and dad throwing out pakoras and kebabs and Indian flatbreads mm. and of course people are going crazy for it um, and I didn't know this until I started on this journey. I, I couldn't remember anyway, cause I was so young and I said, well, there you go, mum and dad. I said, if you did this, this is where I get it from clearly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's so awesome. And, and, uh, so here we are as well on the tail end of national curry week too. So, uh, just, just a really great story. And I love the flavors of India and, and the, uh, you talk about the seasonings and the heat and all that. And it's, uh, I remember the first time that I had any Indian food, which for me was quite late in life compared to many folks. And it just was like an explosion of flavors in my mouth that just came alive and have loved it ever since. And so, uh, I very much love the food and, and really love the story that you've told. And uh, it's not just a story, it's your life. <laughs> but uh, so help us. So your, your family obviously was very giving and got ingrained in the culture, or at least eventually accepted by the culture and all that. So talk to us a little bit. What I did not share when I introduced you is you, you do have another career outside of this. And so if you would kind of fast forward to that now, unless we've missed something that vital in the past, kind of fast forward to that and talk about uh, you, you were, I assume, doing fairly well in that career. And then you decided to get into this endeavor of the food truck yourself. So how, how did that kind of, was there a particular wake up call that one day that, gosh, <laughs> I need to do this? Or was it just a... Uh, dissatisfaction or kind of walk us through that if you don't mind sharing I believe the phrase is midlife crisis Um, (laughs) so yes I I but it's an international (laughs) thing right everyone can understand this regardless of which side of the pond you're on so no I mean yes I've I've been very fortunate to, to have a fantastic career you know in the hospitality industry with a large hotel company and a company that really took me in from a young age shall we say trained me up and did many a role and um and i've always been ambitious and things like that and i love traveling hence the title explorer in my own company name but i got to a point where um this idea of the food truck had been in my mind for some time and i was actually i think i was listening to a business seminar or podcast and you know one of these entrepreneurs has said if you really can't get this idea out of your head maybe it's time to do something about it And I always said in my career that when I got to Monday morning and I didn't look forward to going to work, then something needed to change. And unfortunately, I got to that point. Um, I think just a combination of things. Had travelled for a number of years, lived out of a suitcase, didn't have much of a life, wasn't seeing my friends and family as much as I wanted to. My priorities had, had changed. And, but I still loved my job. So this caused me great internal conflict because I, I, I didn't know how I could keep both. And it just so happened that the company really supported me to move into um, a different role and mm-hmm. go part-time. And that's when I really started to pull up, pull up Pecora Explorer because it was like, right, I've got this opportunity. Let's go for it now. Now is the time. 
And, and for those of us that are not as well-traveled, we've been calling this Pecora Explorer for some time now. What, it, <laughs> well, walk, walk us through that. What is it? Yes. <laughs> for those of us that are unlearned, what is it? And, and how did you land on that as being your signature dish? Um, so pakora is made out of gram flour, which is which is ground chickpea flour. And traditionally in India, it's mixed with vegetables, P- traditionally potatoes and onions, but you can mix it with anything, carrot, broccoli, etc. And you mix it into a batter, like a cake batter, for want of a better description, add some spices, and then you deep fry it. And it comes out, it's kind of crispy on the outside, soft like a, a dough, uh, well, like a batter, uh, dough on the inside. And you have various dips and chutneys and yogurts with it. Um, but pakora for us, for, for about, I'm about to sound very British now, is like tea and biscuits. You know, we always have the two together. So we always have, in any Asian home, we always have the ingredients to make pakora because we always have gram flour and potatoes. And so should somebody turn up to your house and, and in Asian culture, our doors are always open, you can always make pakora for somebody. And I see. I think one, you know, kind of sort of saying there is why pakora. How did I land on it? Well, in Scotland, we love our pakora. The the Scots go crazy for pakora. I think it's second only to chips, um, and even then, I think it, you'd have a battle on your hands as to actually which one's the front runner. But well, okay. here in Scotland, and I think Glasgow in particular, they came up with chicken pakora which is quite simply chicken battered with spices and and deep fried and obviously anyone knows Scotland knows we love our deep fried food and um, that's hugely popular here it's one of my best sellers and that was one of the arguments I had with my mother as was about putting chicken pakora on my menu (laughs) (laughs) yes yes and and so now at this point, the recipe you use, is is that indeed your mother's or a variation of what your mother did then? Kind um, of a family recipe? The spices are our family recipe. So in our veg pakora, we use our spice called garam masala. And I'm, a lot of people will be familiar with garam masala because it tends to form the base of most curry dishes. But my grandmother had her recipes. Um, she passed it to my mum. My mum passed it to me when I said I wanted to do this. So we use the own garam masala in the mix. And then our chicken pakora is if I turned up at my mum's house now and asked her to make me some dinner after she's told me off for not giving her any notice, um, she would whip together a quick chicken curry for me because it's one of my favourites. And what I did was I took um, what she would normally do fresh, fresh ginger, fresh garlic, fresh onions, etc. And we made it into the sort of powdered form and mm-hmm. adjusted it slightly and that's the the masala or the seasoning and masala quite literally means blend of spices so we take the blend of spices and i marinate the chicken in it and that's where some of the battle between mm-hmm. east and west has come in because my mum was adamant i wouldn't serve chicken pakora because it's not traditional and i said mum you brought me up on the remote island in Scotland where you taught me how to do Scottish dancing. You know, I did, I ate haggis and I eat chicken, you know, so I said, you cannot now pull the traditional card on me because there's nothing, you know, we've made our culture is Scottish Asian. And she eventually said, okay, fine, I'll try it. She came back for seconds and I said, well, mum, if you're coming back for seconds, it's going on the menu. She said, fine. (laughs) And the rest is history. (laughs) That's awesome. That is awesome. And so you went to work part time. You started the food truck. And and so and from I'm not sure just exactly how long have you actually been in business as the Pakora Explorer? Um. 
you would probably coming close to 18 months now but i think it would okay, be that yeah that new but about 18 months of this was in my head and doing the mm. pre-research and oh yeah you know getting excited about food trucks and what does it actually look like and what does it mean but yeah really only 18 months and of course the last nine months you could basically write off to be honest because well that's yeah that's where it was, <laughs> was gonna go. so question. <laughs> yeah so you just just were getting started and i i assume with a little bit of success then right maybe and then all of a sudden the pandemic so Talk, talk to us about that. And I know I, I have watched you through the pandemic as far as um, some of your pivoting. You've had to move. It, it is a food truck, but like we do oftentimes in the States, it looked as though you had a stationary location that was quite successful or appeared to be fairly successful for you and you had to move. So yeah. kind of talk through some of your previous success and then your thoughts leading into the pandemic. And then, of course, anything that happened since that you uh, uh, during the pandemic itself, even. Um, yeah, so I think one of the reasons as to why Pecora is because nobody else is doing it. So to the best of my knowledge and to my research, I haven't found anyone else who does a Pecora food truck in Scotland and England. And especially you'll have Indian trucks and things. But actually, there was a gap in the market for Pecora. And it's the ideal street food. It's handheld. It's clean. You know, it's snack. It's dinner, etc. So last year we started doing events probably from about the summer, so July, August time. And this was before the truck was on the road. So we were in a gazebo with fryers and fields. We started doing, you know, festivals and, and that type of thing. And I was really starting to gain traction because again, I was building up the brand. Um and my family have played a big part in that because they were supporting me with events, so they became very much part of the brand. And um this year we, we lined up everything for, for this year. We had some great shoot shows, foodie shows and festivals. I was also in line to do some live cooking demonstrations. So there was real traction starting to happen. And um, we did one of our biggest shows just as the pandemic was starting to take hold, which was it was called the Allergy and Free From show, which is very nerve wracking because you've got peanut allergies, you've got gluten intolerance, which I am. And there was a lot of sort of stringent checks that you needed to have. And then March happened and this pandemic happened from, from, I guess, out of nowhere, but maybe somebody knew it was coming and all events were cancelled. Nothing was happening. Weddings were cancelled. Hotels were closed. My own, you know, I was still, I'm still working part time in, in the hotel world. And so that was going on as well. And so I think that first month was that kind of initial shock and just thinking how am I going to keep my business going and it felt very isolated I thought am I the only one going through this I'm not a McDonald's I'm not a KFC I, I don't qualify for any of the government support at this point mm -hmm. and um, so yeah so to your point about pivoting well I think I pivoted so much that I was a ballerina um, <laughs> because I am um, part of me was just like you know what, I've worked too hard to give this up. I need to find a way to keep this going. So at the very start of lockdown, when we were in Scotland in the very tightest of restrictions where you're only allowed out an hour a day, I did online cooking. So we, I kind of then started to work on my website to really focus on my spice blends because obviously now everybody was cooking at home and there was a shortage of, of spices and herbs and people were baking, but I could still supply so we did we did some live cooking i just quite literally recorded in my kitchen and i i do not have a massive kitchen i live in a one-bedroom apartment in glasgow 
where I had to cover up you know the background because it was my living room you could see and so you know and I'm not a professional chef it's just I love cooking and I think cooking is easy and I think making good meals is is easy to do if you know how to do it and I thought I can really help some people who are maybe struggling and bored at home with kids and meals mm. and then as the pandemic has has evolved and now in Scotland we're going back again slightly where actually all of hospitality is now currently closed in Glasgow we were able to do a few events between sort of uh, August and September and it was amazing it felt so good to be back out there um and during that time I'd hired two members of staff because we looked like we were going to be busy again and unfortunately that just wasn't the case so I had to mm -hmm. let them go but to be able to employ during a pandemic was was quite a proud moment and then yes I had to pivot because I couldn't just drive around pitching up my truck anywhere so I had to look at static places and try and do a delivery service and that isn't what Pecora Explorer was about. My my business and my concept is for foodies, people who love food. It's not your everyday snack. But although in Glasgow or in Scotland, people can eat it and you can get quite, let's say, cheap versions of the same product, I'm at the higher end um, of that food spectrum. And um, nice. now as hospitality is closed down, um, I'm now focusing on my spice blends and my chai tea on the back of National Curry Week because unfortunately we just won't see any events this side of the year, I'm afraid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I, and well, with your, I'm sorry, Steve, with your cooking, you mentioned that. Uh, did you post that on your website or do you have a YouTube channel? Where, where was that? Yeah, where, so where did we, that audience find that? Because I know you're, you've recently done some demonstrations with your mother cooking as well. <laughs> yeah, I've, I have so much respect for my parents for the things that I put them through. Um, you know, <laughs> mom, dad, I've got a great job, but I'm going to quit that to do, open a food truck. All right, okay. And by the way, can you do some live cooking videos? So yeah, on the back of National Curry Week, I asked my mom to do some live cooking demos. So basically she cooked and we were in her kitchen with my dad as well. And we, we did the those videos we did them on live so it was on Facebook and Instagram and yes I do have a YouTube channel Pecora Explorer and I'll, I can send you the links and we're going to post those videos but what I've also been doing in the background is recording more cooking demos at home so that I can really show people that the spice blends we've got yes they're Indian inspired but you can use them for a variety of different meals and as these spice blends have gone worldwide because I can ship internationally I've seen people using them in different ways and that's what I want I want them to be so versatile and I just want to get people cooking and eating good food but that they've made themselves that doesn't necessarily rely on a takeaway but they can still be involved in that cooking process excellent Great. And Steve, you, you were going to ask a question. Do you recall oh, what that was? Sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, as I listened to this story and it's, it's just, it's just so exciting to see what you've done and where you're going with it. And I guess that's really my question is, you know, we have gone back into, and I think um, what's happening in, in Scotland is really not much different than it's happening in the rest of the world. You know, we're, we're preparing to move into another, um, restricted movement <laughs> um, as as our numbers begin to climb again and we move into the colder uh, the, the colder weather but um, 
where do you see this going in the future? What is it? What is your, or is it just anxiety as we go? Oh no, we're locking <laughs> down again. Um, or, or do you see, do you see a, a light coming at the end of the tunnel? And, and is that light a train or, or a way out? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's a light a train. No. So, um, so I think for my immediate plan, I'm going to, let's say hibernate the pecora truck side for the winter because i mean anyone lived in scotland i mean trying to do outdoor events you're just open to the elements um let alone having restricted numbers so i'm going to hibernate that part of my business and then just focus on the fact that we will be coming back next year but it's very hard to say to people look we can do your weddings or, or commit to a festival or an event because we actually don't know if we're going to be allowed large gatherings again, or are they going to keep us restricted? So I have to be very careful of that. So my focus now is, especially with Christmas coming up, is to focus on the spice blends. But also I'm looking into manufacturing. So I'm looking to get a facility where I can actually produce my pakora and supply it into retail. Um, because as I said, I'm sort of seen as a premium uh, provider of, of pakora currently and so I think there's opportunity to get my product out there onto the shelves but for the right consumer at the right price point because to be honest lockdown aside people want to eat people still need to eat and people are spending money on food because they're not able to go out to restaurants and this is a trend that the retailers have seen people are buying up because they see food as a luxury and a comfort where we're currently not getting our let's say standard luxuries and comfort um, yeah. But definitely it's, you know, it's not an option for me to give up. I went through that phase, to be honest, at, at midway point, I, I got quite, well, I guess quite down, um, you know, the tears and everything like that, because I just didn't know what else I could do. And I felt I was facing this uphill battle and everybody was, um, but you just feel very alone. And actually it was sitting down with my mum and dad and it was, it was them who said, you cannot give up. You have come too far. You've survived a pandemic. We will keep helping you for the rest of this year until you can decide what you're doing next year. But do not give up. You're, that's not in you. And we kept going. And there's mum and dad doing live videos. And my dad helps me on the food truck. And I think that's really testament to my, my upbringing as well, that they said, no, we're going to be there with you every step of the way. Well, it seems interesting because it follows right along with the whole story from the very beginning. You know, your, your parents... Um, picked you up and moved you you know across the world um i'm sure it wasn't because oh this is the easiest thing to do you know um they they they, they started a farm when uh, it sounds like to some degree they knew some about it but not everything about it and they needed uh to to fight through some really difficult times i uh, you know if, if anybody's thinking you know that that the, the easiest thing to do is go starting in, into farming. Well, coming from a, a family of farmers and married to a family of farmers, that's really not like <laughs> no. they couldn't have picked anything harder to do, <laughs> yet they made it work. And, you know, and, and I think it's interesting because it, this all really kind of in, infuses even with this concept of, of your food, you know, and that you're blending different spices that, that, that work together, but n no one of them is like the, the hero of the show necessarily. Um, it's just so exciting to see a story like this where there's just such determination and such grit. And it also produces something that just brings people together. Um, I've never had, um, oh, let, let's see, what, what's it called? A pakora. I've never had a pakora before, but now I am, I, I am, I am hungry for this new, <laughs> this new food. And, I, I, and Leonard, you're, you're more of a foodie. Maybe you've had an opportunity to, to try, um, 
what we're talking about. But if you're if if you're speaking to someone like me here in the United States, I, I'm not sure what a pakora is. I do go to Indian restaurants, but I just point at things because I can't say any <laughs> of the names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would how would you um, how would you invite someone like me, especially in the midst of a pandemic where I can't come to your house and, and try your food? Um, how would you invite someone like me to to try this or to jump into it? You know, should I try cooking a pakora tonight? Is that possible for someone who has never had this experience? Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if you. I actually run online pakora making classes, so I don't know if you actually knew that. It sounds like we plugged it now, and we, we really haven't. Um, <laughs> you know, that wasn't pre-planned. But all joking aside, because I thought to myself, you know what? If I can't bring my pakora to the masses to Scotland at events, well, why? I, it's no pakora to be honest is no big secret you you can find a recipe online gram flour potatoes onions water job done um mix and, and fry what we're bringing what the difference we're bringing is like i say we use our spices in it we're bringing our family story and that's why i think people relate because my my sort of heading on my website is authentic indian street food and what we're seeing here is look you can absolutely pick up pakora in our supermarkets here in scotland you know you can but it's got e-numbers in it pakora just should not have e-numbers in it it's it, it's pakora can actually be quite good for you you know yes it's deep fried but if you try it at home gram flour doesn't soak up the oil the same way regular batter does if anyone likes their fish and chips as we do here in, in britain you know it, it's very different and so absolutely go home and try it so yes i have a class and again thinking about your audience out in the us you might be more familiar with things like samosas or onion badges so an onion badgie would be similar in the sense that it's made from gram flour and onion mm -hmm. there's just a little mm -hmm. bit more things we put in pakora so if anybody wants to try it like i i do these classes um you know every few weeks and i'm happy to do it in a time zone and you know i think leonard you were saying earlier and steve about getting people together this holiday season well absolutely I've done a class for for a family who weren't able to be together and it was somebody's birthday and they said we want to do something different we'd normally go out for a meal and I said well I'll do your pakora making class and then you can all do it together and you can just unfortunately have to enjoy the food separately but you have that little bit of competition who made the best one and you know this sort of thing mm -hmm. and it was great and it was just a different way and yet again food is at the center of bringing people together in a time when we're being kept apart well and I really, Chital, one of the threads that I see through this, and Steve's kind of hit on it as far as seeing a thread through the whole thing as well, um, it, it is the beautiful thing of seeing the tight-knitness of your family, if I can say that as yeah. a word, tight-knitness. That doesn't sound very well, but anyhow, how tight-knit, tightly-knit, how's that? How tightly-knit your family seems to be. Um, and some of it maybe early on, out of necessity, as, as your parents were kind of new to the culture in Scotland and whatnot there. Uh, but I really love, you've actually somehow created a bit of a community through this. I mean, I hate to put in such a blatant plug for your product, but I mean, you really kind of created a community through the food that you're serving. And, uh, I, and, and just, as you say, just to sit down and have a meal with somebody, the value in that um, talk, talk, I mean, just on the fly here, talk to me a little bit about some of the values of community and having a meal together. And what, what does that mean to you? And 
maybe in your upbringing or maybe in the culture of your family? Because it sounds like there's some significance there, you know, breaking bread with the neighbors and all that. So do you want to unpack that some? I mean, some of my earliest memories are of, of, like I say, people coming to my mom and dad's house in Orkney in the farm and having you know having food basically whatever my mum put on the table because they'd never tried some people had never tried these flavors that I to be honest I take some of these things for granted ginger garlic but some people have just especially again you've got to remember the very north of Scotland it's kind of meat and two veg for a lot of the time that we brought these new flavors um and I think you could throw a baseball and hit Iceland from there, right? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, we used to. It's Orkney, a little north. <laughs> yeah, Orkney actually used to belong to Iceland. If anyone's into um, there, you go. History, then, you know that 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 story is part of that as well. So we did used to belong to the Nordics, um, and. What happened was, was people asked my mum to start cooking more and more because they just, they wanted something different. So things like the WI, the Women's Institute or um, church, you know, again, traditionally church after church, you'd have tea and coffee, but there was my mum making something. And um, even when my sister got married, so again, we're up in Orkney, there was about 120 people. All my aunties came up and they brought carloads of rice and chapati flour and garlic and ginger. We cleared out the Indian shops, basically, and we're all there getting together. But I think what that symbolizes, and even now, my mum will say to you always, my door is always open. And to be honest, if I could... If I could invite people to my mum and dad's house for a cooking lesson and then to sit down and eat with us, I would. I would turn that straight away, but I can't do it because of regulations and, you know, you've got to have sinks. And that that's where, unfortunately, some of the, the rules come and, you know, stop creativity. But that's my mum's, you know, always saying she meets somebody. My mum knows all my friends and things and it's her door is always open. And I think if you can give a meal to somebody it's the thought that goes into it it could be it could be the soup that makes somebody well when they're not feeling well it could be a home cooked meal that makes somebody feel like they're at home when they're away from home or it could be that amazing four course dinner before that special occasion food is at the center of all of this and to be honest as you say i'm very close to my family um my brother helps me with parts of the business as well you know my sister even my nieces and nephews get involved if I'm if I happen to be in Orkney and we're doing an event they they all get involved and it just brings the family closer together talking and to be honest I miss some of that because in Asian culture you would see that a lot at wedding times or party times all the ladies in the kitchen now I missed out on that to a certain extent because growing up in Orkney there wasn't an Asian community instead I was around at the farmers wives houses learning how to bake or or learning how to make western dishes because I didn't my mum didn't know my mum could not make for example spaghetti bolognese because she turned to Indian she made it Indian's mince and spaghetti so we had to learn this from other people basically and, and I think again that's just bringing cultures together and it breaks down barriers to be honest mm, that's well, so it's, great it's always been incredible to me especially in my career in hospitality how it, it did seem to be that the one element that was always present in the best hospitality has been food. And, you know, as you were talking, I, I thought about my own life, you know, going to grandma's house, you know, what was great about that was, was the infusion of the food with the emotion that you felt towards that person. 
And it sounds like that that's something that um, really has been strong in in just the community that you're creating around this. I still I, I'm, I'm remembering back to your story of of your mother making making food and and the neighbors smelling it and saying, <laughs> "Can we have some of that?" And of course, you know, just you talking about the door always being open and that welcoming uh, nature that seems to be just part of 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 the food that you're creating and it, and it does seem like you couldn't package this or maybe it is possible to, <laughs> well, to I'm, package I'm some to. of this <laughs> um, yeah I'm, I'm trying to you know with with my spice blends and things and I think I you know it's actually quite nice because I'm, I'm talking about my family and it just brings up so many memories and and things like that and I'm, I am very lucky that I am so close to my mom and dad and but also when we're in the kitchen and my mum and dad are prepping and I just let you know, you know, my mum and dad are in their, well, my mum's in her late 60s and my dad's in his 70s and they're both young and full of life. And like I say, helping me on the food truck or we're prepping. But that's when the stories come out. That's when my mum starts putting on the Bollywood music and she starts dancing. She says, oh, when I was 16, this was the heartthrob of the year. And I'm rolling my eyes going, oh gosh, mum. But actually these are the stories that we will tell our you know my nieces and nephews because you know we've integrated relationships and things like that that you you start to let's say dilute some of the culture but these are the stories that we're going to tell my nieces and nephews like oh your your nanny which means grandmother um, your nanny used to do this and this was the food she liked and actually even just doing those cooking demos last week I was learning so much more, even though I've grown up with my mum in the kitchen, there was things, little nuggets of information on cooking. I was like, that's why my mum always does that. I never knew why, but if my mum told me to do something, I just did it. But now I know the reason why we brown the onions like this or why we add the spices in here. So yeah, it's just keeping that, that family history alive, I think. Well, and I, I feel like maybe kind of the, the thing to take away from this is I've often heard, you know, the value of having, you know, the family dinner table and sitting down. And, and I even feel like in my own family with my own kids um, that when when we have our lives well enough under control that we're having dinner together every evening, that's a good sign that we're, we're we've reached equilibrium that we're, we're doing well, you know, when, when we're all running separate places and we can't come together. And, and, and what I'm, what I'm coming to realize is that maybe for some of us that are feeling a little overwhelmed, uh, there is something cathartic, something useful in us taking the time to make something, to, to cook something with a family member. That's where the, and, and get an opportunity to hear those stories come out. Or if you're like me and you're a terrible cook, I actually tried cooking, uh, <laughs> last night. My, my, my daughter, um, uh, became vegan several years ago and then she convinced me to be vegan. And if you look at my belly, you'll be like, no, you're not vegan. And you'll like, I'll say, yes, I do cheat a lot. <laughs> you're flexitarian. But I'm a flex. Yeah, exactly. Well, I tried to explain it this way. I said, you know, if a man cheats on his wife, he's still married, right? So <laughs> I'm sure that so went well. I, Steve. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't recommend anyone using that as a. So I'm saying, you know, I can still be vegan, right? I'm just a cheating <laughs> vegan. But um, that that's forced us maybe back into the kitchen a little bit. Um, and and you know, last night I, I I learned a valuable lesson. I learned that you don't put potatoes in a the blender; they come out very slimy and gross. <laughs> 
um, in trying to make this creamy potato soup. But that was the experience that we got to share together as we were cooking in the kitchen. And I think what you've really highlighted today is there's some value in taking something that we all need. We have to eat. You know, nobody's nobody's going without food or your dad. Um, and there's an opportunity to really take it and turn it into family and into community. And you've done such a great job of of really kind of showing us how that can be done. So definitely, I, I thank you for that. Um, and I would really like to know how, and I know it sounds a little bit like a commercial in their points where we hadn't planned it, but it came out of like, and <laughs> this is how you can get access to our products. But um, I would like to know how, how we can um, get some of those blends and, and where we can go to see these. And I know we'll, in the show notes, we'll, we'll put um, links to your YouTube channel so we can, we can try, I can, I'm going to try and make Pecora. I'll let you know in the, in the next <laughs> podcast, how that went. Um, I can, I, and it sounds like I can do that vegan. So, yes, you can. Um, it's vegan. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to try that, but the, the spices too, um, I, I'm not going to learn how to blend curry. I think that's for another lifetime. So how 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 can how can I get a hold of some of these these blends that um, that are your legacy, um, passed down from generations to generations? How can we get a hold of those? Um, well, yeah. Well, without without sounding like a commercial, like you see. So I, you know, visit my website www.pacoraexplorer.co.uk, and for anybody on social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, which is just at Pacora Explorer. And I think one thing I would say to Steve is, I I guess I want to. I want to challenge people in this world, like I said, where we're currently being kept apart, we can still come together. And so, you know, I read a stat that the average family um, only has nine meals um, in their cooking sort of repertoire. And those would be your traditional, you know, like a spaghetti bolognese, a stew, a chili, you know, these types of things. And so what I'm trying to do is say to people, you can absolutely have those meals, but try, try something new, try something different. So, you know, to any of your listeners, we do we do ship to well worldwide, to be honest, and to the US. And it's just about trying something new. But what I want is tell me what you've made with my spices, because people, my customers have come back to me and they've said, hey, I used one of your seasonings on my Sunday roast. I made a pork belly with it. And I, I never envisaged my spices being this way because they are Indian inspired. And to know that people are being creative and they had fun in the kitchen. Maybe it went a bit wrong. Maybe it went a bit right as, as you do when you're cooking, but the, the main part is they had fun. And if that hasn't come across in my personality, I'm a person who likes to have fun. We're a family that likes to have fun. So yeah, you know, it's, it's on there for the website, have a look around, but to anyone listening, even if you just, you're not sure about Indian food or spices, please, you know, feel free to, to drop me a message and I'm, I'm more than happy to talk food to anyone um, and I was saying to Leonard at the start of this, you know, America is known for its food trucks and its great food. And I would love to get over stateside and bring my food, you know, to the American people, but also learn from you guys because you, you've got so much great stuff going on there as well. Um, so, yeah, food food brings people together. <laughs> and we well, need that. All... <laughs> yeah. Who's hungry? Yeah. We... <laughs> we, all, we all need to set down to some Pecoras, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, Chantal, thank you so much for sharing uh, your family's story, really, and, and what you've done and uh, certainly did not disappoint. I know just, again, I mentioned at the top of the show, 
Uh, I've sort of stalked you online, <laughs> watched you <laughs> online and seen your business grow along the way and struggle through the pandemic and just uh, really have enjoyed it since I'm a bit of, food, of, of a foodie myself. Um, just again, the wonderful packaging that you've done on these spices and the things there. So just, just all in all, just well done. So, uh, but especially today though, thank you for being a part of our program and just sharing some of that history with us. It's very, very interesting and enjoyed it greatly. No, thank you for having me. And I think just one last thank you is, you know, when people support small businesses like mine or other food businesses local to you, wherever it may be, you know, you are really helping to support local independent people to keep going we're not a big conglomerate you know and so I appreciate you giving me this opportunity and to, to also tell these stories because when when I get my mum to listen to this she'll I'm sure she'll have a tear in her eye thinking oh I didn't know she remembered all those stories so thank you <laughs> thank you as well for that opportunity certainly well, Steve you. any last thoughts from you before we wrap up oh you know I just want to put one more plug in for what we're doing at, at Upwards Unlimited um, again, our goal is to make sure that we get together this holiday season. Um, many of us won't be able to do that in person. So let us help you get together virtually. There is no cost to these uh, little 30-minute presentations on how you can put together a better holiday event. So sign up <laughs> uh, and let us share some of the things that we've learned as we've wor worked in a virtual training facilitation environment for many years um we've we've already had the difficulties and lumps on the head so uh no reason you have to go through it let us let us help you uh, so that you can connect this holiday season you need it and your family needs it as well all right. Well, once again, everyone, we invite you to reach out and email Steve or I at furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations about food around the table and family this week. So love to hear your stories of maybe some memorable moments for you. And certainly if you do want to try some of those spices and tell us how you use them as well, that would be great fun as well. Uh, and as, as always, we are sponsored by Upwards Unlimited. That's up words, W-O-R-D-S, unlimited.com, which really folds into this nicely because they are all about helping you and your teams improve conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. So with that, folks, we'll go ahead and say goodbye. But uh, just uh, as we approach the holiday season, I, I think we've had a great uh, lesson as we've listened to Chital and taken the time to break bread together and work together in the kitchen and doing some activities and maybe find a Republican or a Democrat and do that with them as well. Who knows? But well, until that would be revolutionary. Week, <laughs> I think yeah, creating that, a revolution. No. <laughs> I know. Why not? You know, if we're going to do it, let's do it big. Let's do it right. Let's, let's come together. Find somebody in opposition to invite to your table as well. Uh, so I'll, I'll end on that as we probably go out with Feed the World or sing some happy song. But uh, nonetheless, it's uh, great, great thoughts and great fun. So thank you for listening. And uh, we will talk to you again next week, everybody. Bye-bye.